Hey, parents want to take their kids to nursery, you're allowed to, just so you know. No one, no one will judge you if you walk out that door. You don't have to. Kids, we love kids squawking. It's, it's all good. So, we have, if you're here and you, like, you, you, you are a Jesus follower, you might go to church like an hour a week on Sunday mornings, right? Some of you might be part of a small group. That's like another two hours a week. But the place where most of us will spend most of our life is not in a church building. For many of us, it'll be in our workplace. If you work 40, 50, 60, my boy John Marsh, working 70-hour weeks for a while. If you work that many hours, that's a lot of your life spent around a certain group of people doing a certain work. And a lot of time, we don't talk about our workplaces because a lot of people think that the pastor does godly work and everyone else does Lamesville work. That's not true. That's, there is not like sacred godly work and then like evil normal work. There's just work given by God for us to do. I just happen to not be good at anything except reading the Bible. That's why I'm a pastor. I can't swing a hammer. I can't put up drywall. I can't work on a car. I can't grow a plant. So I just I talk about Jesus all the time. That's all, I, that's all I'm good at. And that's all I do. And that's okay. But I am not closer to God than anybody else. And many of us don't have a passion, an understanding, or even we don't understand why we work so hard in our careers. Today we're talking about the Christian and the workplace. Now, we're in 1 Peter, chapter 2. And 1 Peter, we're in this, the whole book, the whole book is about Peter is telling us all as Christ followers that we are aliens in a foreign land. We are exiles, sojourners. We don't belong here. If you love Jesus, this is not your home. Your heart is your heart belongs somewhere else. Sometimes when I go visit places, I'll go traveling. I'll go to Chicago for college. I'll go to India for ministry. And while I'm away, my heart, at first it's like really cool to be somewhere exotic, but eventually you just miss your bed, right? I miss my bed. I miss my fridge. I miss my dog. You know, like I just want to go back to where my stuff's at, where my family's at. It's a feeling of home, right? Home's a powerful feeling. And we're told here that home is not your address. Home is not the east side, the north side, the south side of the suburbs. Home for the Christian is heaven. Our heart should be longing for that place as we walk through this life. And so Peter says to us, here he goes, listen, uh, verse 11, uh, 211, he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from fleshly lusts. He says, keep your conduct excellent among the Gentiles. Keep your behavior excellent among the unbelieving masses. Why? So they will see your good life and be drawn to God. He says... Peter's talking to Christians who live in Rome. 
They live in a society that is not Christian at all. No one there likes Jesus. He says, listen, the people in Rome think we're a bunch of punks. How are we going to win them? We're not going to win them with more talk. Because talk is cheap. You know, win them by how you live your lives. Keep your lives excellent. They'll see your life and they'll be drawn to your master, Jesus. And he gives us three areas to submit. What a word. Ooh. Submit to government. That, we talked about that two weeks ago and everyone loved it. <laughs> you guys just see some of the emails I get. And not, you know, listen, listen. In our house, people are cool. Like in Flint City, but I get like letters from random places in America who watch this online and have opinions. But uh, I'm like, the Florida person, deleted. I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so submit to government. Today is submitting to our boss. Submitting to those in authority over us at work. How awful does that sound? <laughs> Ricky, you just got prayed for. Shh. Okay. Um, so we got to start. So we, we'll start with a very fundamental view of work. Many of us talk trash on work. We love the weekend. And man, what day do we hate? Mondays. Now listen. The first thing I want to say to us is this, and it's going to, you might not know this. Work is from God. It's not a punishment. When you were a kid, you ever get in trouble, and your parents said, you got to mow the lawn because you're in trouble. That was, it felt like work felt a punishment. But in the, in the kingdom of God, work was never, ever given as a punishment. Listen, when God made everything good, when he made paradise, and there was no sin in the world, and everything was as it was supposed to be, there was no death, there were no stinking flooding, the bears didn't eat rabbits, in the world before evil ever entered, I'm serious, um, before that all happened, so we, we read this, a 2.15, Genesis 2.15 says this, then Yahweh God took the man and set him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. We see that God gave humanity companionship. He gave family. He gave a place to live. He gave himself and he gave work. Work is part of God's grand design. Every one of us has been Designed by God with giftings, with talent for a purpose. Work is not evil and work is not bad. Work is given to us by God. It gives our life direction and purpose and flavor. Because here's the reality. Rest is so much sweeter after hard work, isn't it? You ever stink and mow the lawn on a hot day and you're all sweaty and gross and you get like an ice cold glass of Coke and sit in a chair, look upon your newly mowed grass and you're like, I did this. It's, it's the best feeling in the world. 
I accomplished something and oh, the Coke tastes better when you're sweaty. Dude, there's a time in my life where I was in a state of great depression. I was kind of staying in bed all day, doing nothing. And in that season of life, I wasn't working. And so like the days, I'd I, I like wake, I'd stay up to like 4 a.m. every day. I'd wake up at like noon. Some days in that season, if I took a shower, that was a great victory for the day. I showered. What a, what a man am I. Like my life spilled into every corner because there was no structure or purpose. Work makes both rest and play all the more sweeter. Now listen, even if you're here and you're young or you're old, my kids are young. Guess what? They have chores. If our dog goes to the bathroom outside, that's not my problem. <laughs> my kids have a chore. My wife was talking about, man, she was telling me about the kids, like, man, I see them folding their laundry all the time. I'm like, darling, they're not four and five anymore. They're stinking 12 and 10. They can fold their own laundry. And she was like, it was like, just, just give it to them and walk away. They now load the dishwasher. It's like, oh, dinner's over. I'm like, I'm going to sit on the couch. You kids clean this up. I just go over on the couch. They have chores, and it's great. And listen, I bless them. I, I give them an allowance. I give them an allowance, like, and they, they use it to buy little things. As adults, our work is not bad. We get to go and give ourselves bigger than ourselves. We get to push the plow and do something in the world outside of ourselves. It is good for us to work hard. It's good for us to sweat. And not every job you have is going to be awesome. I did a poll online on Facebook this week asking about people's first jobs. And it was hilarious the responses that came back. Um, Mr. Jim and Deb, at their first job, she met her husband. Look how good work is. <laughs> um, the Cones also. This uh, Mrs. Cone down in Phoenix, she wrote that a guy gave her a ride to her first day at the job, and then he, she married him like three years later. I mean, this is how good work is. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, so some people, though, some people shared stories of their first jobs and how fun it was, whether it was the golf course or Mickey D's. Or nannying. Some of you didn't have great jobs. Like some of the guys wrote, like, I worked at KFC and it was awful. Um, not every job is great. But whether your work pays you $4.25 an hour or 19 bucks an hour, it is from the... <laughs> He's like, I'll do it. <laughs> Dude, listen. Some jobs give you real money. Dude, I'm telling you. Um, whatever it is, and the thing is, the work we do, again, we'll get to that. So work is from God. I, instead of complaining and griping, we should be like, man, the Lord has allowed me the ability to do this work. The gifting I have can do the thing before me. And listen, not every job is punching a clock. If you're here and you're retired, you still have a purpose to the Lord. I don't want to embarrass my brother. i got a friend of mine here in the church who's retired, and I watch him give selflessly of himself to his family and to work of the Lord, and I'm like, my man. 
My wife doesn't punch a clock. She doesn't. We're reading this book as a church right now called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And in this book we're reading, there's a moment because this, this family, their home, like people from the whole neighborhood come there all the time and share dinners, and this house is used to love people. They allowed this grad student to stay there for a while as she was finishing her doctorate, her dissertation, and one day at the, the table, this lady asked the family, what's the magic here? How are you able to host so many people and make a home that feels so safe and welcoming and inviting? And you let people just come here and rest and feel loved. What's the magic? Now, I didn't say this. The lady who wrote the book said this. She goes, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I can give all this to the world. It's like I'm able to be here all day long. My wife doesn't punch a clock at a factory. My wife has decided to raise our children and keep our home. That stinking work that she's been called to do. Now, I know not everyone can do that. Not everyone can do that. Some, sometimes in the family, you've got to go. Some of you feel called to go. Go and work. You know, I'm not saying you must do it the way I'm doing it. I'm just saying, some of us in this room, maybe we're disabled and can't work in a factory. We still have a purpose by God to do something with the gifting we've been given. If we just sit and don't put our strength somewhere, we're going to be restless. We are going to be bored. We're going to be aimless and wandering. Work is from the Lord. Now we go to First Peter 2, verse 18. Servants... Be subject to your masters with all fear. Let me say this. This word servant. In the Greek, it is not the word doulos. It's the word slave. The word used here is house servant. Which basically means every profession for an estate. This means the accountant. This means the tutors. This means the gardeners. These are professionals, okay? The household servants got paid by estates to come and work for the wealthy Roman people. So this is basically, those of you who work, be subject to your bosses. Point number two is simply this. Submit to your bosses. Now, by show of hands, who here has had a bad boss? <laughs> Listen, a bad boss can make life very hard. I know this. I've been yelled at. I've been called a miserable sack of beef. I've been called a lot of things by bosses I've worked for. If you ever work with guys, guys... Do guys <laughs> when I was 14, 15, I didn't know how to do anything, and they would just let you have it. You can't cry in front of the guys because they'll kill you. Um, it was awful, dude. It was awful. I've had bad bosses. I've worked jobs that were not fair. I've been stiffed on jobs. You ever been stiffed on a job? The worst feeling ever. But God says to his people, when you go to work, you'll be a good worker at the, at the, at the plant, at the factory, at the restaurant, at the retail store, wherever you work, you go there and you, you work hard and you work well because we do not work 
for the boss man. We work unto the Lord. The Lord is the one who I want to honor. I had a boss. <laughs> he was a bad boss. And I committed in my own heart, I'm going to go to this workplace every day, and I'm going to sweat, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to, I'm going to give all I got, not to make my boss look good, but for the sake of the Lord. It's a hard thing. The boss taking credit for your work. That's hard. It, it feels, it is unjust. And this is what the Bible says. It says this. It says, not only those bosses who are good and considerate, but also to those who are crooked. He's a give respect even to your crooked, backwards bosses. Peter's given us no way out. Peter's, and, and Peter's saying when you go to the workforce, when you go to work, wherever your job is, remember, our goal, we work, a, we work a certain way. We work with joy. We work faithfully. We don't steal. We're not sneaking, coming in late, leaving early. We're not sneaking, call. We work a certain way so everyone we work with says, whoa, what is different about this person? Why are they this way? And we can say, oh, because I serve a different master. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Our lives speak the message. That our lives allow us to say, I belong to Christ. And they go, I believe you. Because I see it in how you work. Whether you drive truck or flip pizzas. Whether you wash dishes. Whether you raise kids or keep a home. Whatever your work is, do it unto the Lord. This act of submitting to authority is hard for us as Americans. We, when I was a kid, there was a movie I watched once, and the guy quit his job. On the way out the job, he yelled at everybody who was leaving. As a kid, I was like, yeah, because we all want to do that. We all want to quit in the coolest way possible. And uh, on the way out the door, we just burn the world down saying whatever. That may be hilarious, but it's not of the Lord. It's the honoring God. You know, we talked about last week, talked about like, is there ever a time not to submit to authority? Listen, 99 out of 100 times, it's our place to submit. It is. But there is evil in the world. If an employer wants you to sin, you have to say no. If you see an employer possibly hurting the vulnerable, you may need to stand against them. Again, remember I said last week or two weeks ago, it doesn't mean you'll win. They might fire you, talk trash on you, and everyone thinks you're a bad person. You might lose that fight completely. But sometimes, for the sake of truth and the sake of right, you might have to stand. You might, you're still not going to be on the news. No one will care, and you'll lose that job and your benefits, and you're in trouble. That's brutal. If you ever find yourself in a moment where you don't know what to do, I encourage you to seek godly wisdom and counsel. 
They'll just walk in there and mic drop and blow things up. You might hurt it more than help it. You know what I'm saying? For the most part, though, in our jobs, our role and our duty is to be good employees. And by being a good employee, you are representing Jesus in a powerful way. Because here's the reality. We're together, what, an hour a week? You're at your workplace like 40, 60. Imagine the influence you have in their lives. Last week, we baptized a guy right up here. I did not reach him for the Lord. A guy who was at church here had a buddy of his at work side by side, and over the course of months, he earned his respect. And he told us, why are you this way? Because of my Jesus. Started coming to Bible study every week. And before you know it, he confesses to Christ and begins following the Christ. And he comes up here and gets baptized, not because a pastor reached him, because a co-worker reached him. That's you guys. At your, listen, wherever God puts you, you're shoulder to shoulder with so many people who are so lost and so broken and so afraid. We submit to our bosses. But I want to say this to in this moment in Rome, Peter's talking to Christians who have no power. In America, though, some of us Christians do have power. So to us, I want to say this. Submit to your bosses, but if you are given authority, listen to this. I want you to hear this. Christians, be a good and considerate boss. If God gives you the ball, if God gives you authority, you are called to be a good and considerate boss. A good and considerate boss can make a job wonderful. I worked at all those carry out for how long we worked there, Tony? Ten years? My old boss, George. I love him. I've worked, I've worked for him for 15 years. 20 years I've not worked for him. If he called me tomorrow, I'd be at his house. If he needed me to help, help moving, weed in his garden, if he called, I'd go. Because he, he, he was a good boss, a considerate boss, and it, it made our lives good. There was this boss named Bob Chapman. I read about him in college. He was in church one day, and he saw how church blessed everybody. He's like, man, the pastor has the people for one hour. I have my people for 40 hours a week. How can I influence their lives? And this, this CEO of a multi-million dollar company decided, I'm going to make my workers' lives better. And he institutes this thing called a human truly leadership like workplace. And he's starting to just provide good benefits for his workers. And he trusts his workers. It used to be at the factory, like there was this big old gated fenced area. If you needed any kind of tools, you had to go to the fenced area and say, I need a wrench. They give you a wrench and a ticket, you know what I'm saying? They didn't trust any of the workers. The workers said, You see, you trust us. There's a gate around the tools. And the boss pulled the gate down and said, I trust you, get the tools you need. Begin to trust the workers and make, make the whole environment different. And then the recession hits, 2008. Remember? The world falls down. This millionaire's got to fire a bunch of people from the factory. And he goes, what do I do? I tell these guys I love them. I tell them they're a family. 
Do I fire them all to save my own butt? That's what buses do, don't they? So he asks himself the question. He says, what does a family do in a moment like this? He realizes a, a good family, everyone suffers a little. So no one has to suffer fully. So the CEO cut his salary from 300 grand a year to his starting salary of 22 grand a year. He cuts every employee by 5%. He asks every employee to take a month off unpaid. Just like they, they stepped it. He's like, if we all hurt a little, we'll make it. And they stinking made it. And his employees, like, we love our boss because he loves us. If God gives you authority, be a good boss. Don't be a brutal boss. Don't be a tyrannical boss. Be a godly boss who blesses and nourishes and disciples your employees. I'm a boss here at Flint City, kind of. I'm the boss. I can fire people and stuff. We have employees now. It's weird. We have like, there's like four of us that get paid. Um, most of us get paid a little. I get paid more. I feel bad, but it happens. I'm the only full-time staff here. Um, let's say one of the staff calls and says, man, I woke up feeling bad today. I'm not like, you better bring me the doctor's note, fool. <laughs> there's trust. It's like, oh, man, get better. We'll see you tomorrow. Because there's freedom in Christ. There's trust. I want to be a God. I want this place to be a joy to serve and work. If God gives you authority, if you're a boss, bless your workers. Use your authority for good, not for evil. Jesus said to us about authority. He said, do not lord it over one another like the Gentiles do. Don't use your authority to eat one another. Use the power God gave you to serve others. Now, as we say, we, I say all these powerful things, a lot of us think to ourselves, but going to work is awful. You tell me to, you tell me to like it, you tell me to love, you tell me to honor God, but what if my job is really terrible? There are bad jobs. Oh, there are bad jobs, man. I was in retail for a summer. That was a bad job. I've been a dish dog. I've been a cook. I swung a hammer for a week once. It didn't go very well. Where do we find the heart and the spirit to walk into a difficult workplace and keep our joy and our mission before our eyes. This is where Peter goes. Verse 21. For to this you have been called. Since Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example. You should follow in his steps. Peter says listen. I know it's hard. I know sometimes you will suffer. Even though you did nothing wrong. Your boss is a bad day. And your boss his bad day. He just drops it on your head. I have a bad day, I'm yelling at you. Like, oh, crap. That happens. He goes, listen, Jesus went through it too. Because your master suffered, be willing to suffer. 
It says Jesus, he did no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, who being reviled was not reviling in return. While suffering, he was uttering no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus took the hits knowing God's going to deal with all of this. If your boss is unjust and unfair, it's an act of faith to submit to that boss. I'm saying, I trust the Lord's going to deal with all this. I'm going to provide for my family, for my life. I'm going to work hard for the Lord, and God's going to deal with this crook who's above me. And for the sake of my coworkers, I'm going to be faithful so they will see the love of God manifest in my working. So Christ is our example, but listen to this. Verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sin, we might live to righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. For you continually were straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. i tell you this, I'm going to end by saying this. What I'm asking us to do, submitting to our bosses, is impossible without the Spirit indwelling your soul. You need supernatural peace and supernatural love. Because listen, if you have a bad boss, there's no love for that guy or that girl, is there? Oh, boss. Like, you, you must pray against him. Oh, I hope you get sick. Like, um... <laughs> I had a professor in college, I had a professor when I was in school, and she was so mean to me while I was being her back. But still, she was, a, she, was, she was, she just so like, oh man, I used to pray like, Lord, let her be sick today. That was awful. It was terrible. Where do you find the love to pray for someone who's an absolute incompetent donkey of, of a leader? That's a, I'm saying donkey because we're not King James English here. So, uh. How do you pray for that person? The only way to do it is the Lord just constantly washing your heart and washing your soul. Because you love Jesus, you're so near to Christ. You remember, Christ took all this and he prayed for the very people who persecuted him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How can we have his heart? We have his heart because we are in him. Because I'm near Christ, because I'm in Christ, I can have this supernatural ability to work well, even in awful environments. The only way you have a chance of being a good godly worker in an unjust workplace is being near to Jesus. Otherwise, that poison air is going to get in your lungs and you'll be just as bad as everybody else. The only way we can be godly workers in our secular workplaces is by being in Christ. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, he doesn't just give us a code of ethics. Christ is more than be a good little boy or girl. Jesus is not content with a better version of you. He wants to burn you down and make you new. I don't want super Nesto. Nesto's dead and there's Christ in his place. That's the gospel. 
Not an updated version of me. But Christ living where I used to live and acting where I used to act. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if you're here, you know the Lord, call upon his name. He can change your heart. To the believers in the room, I encourage you to pray about wherever your workplace is right now. Pray about it. Lord, why have you called me here? Who have you called me to influence? How can I honor you in these workspaces? Because listen, I may have been a missionary to India, but every one of you is a missionary every single day into the buildings you walk into to work. Missionaries sent by God into these mission fields that need the Lord. That's you. That's you. Listen, young ones, that's your schools. Legit, legit, baby. Let no one look down upon you because you're young. But be an example to the believers. What it says for the young. Exiles and sojourners, let us be excellent in our conduct so the unbelieving world may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. With that said, let us pray. Father in heaven, it is hard to submit. It is hard to not punch back. It is hard not to get bitter when we are treated poorly. You've called us, O oh Lord, to live amongst an unbelieving world with respect, honor, and submission. Lord, let our greatest desire not be our own pride, our reputation, or our name, but our greatest desire in this life be to see your name magnified. We love you, Jesus, very much. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.